Before we get into our lesson today, I want to wrap up a few things on last week's lesson. The pastor was concerned that you'd heard the very end of what we were teaching on. Our machine here sort of malfunctioned a little bit, or we malfunctioned with it. I don't know which way it was. But uh, anyhow, it had to do with uh, Ezekiel uh, describing that the Lord would come day, would one day come back through the eastern gate. And uh, there's the scripture there in Ezekiel 44, 1 and 2, where it says that the door shall, the gate shall be shut, shall be shut after the Messiah go, after the, after the Lord goes through the prince, they call it, which is Messiah. When he goes through the gate, it shall be shut. And uh, when Jesus uh, was taken up into heaven after his crucifixion and resurrection, this is recorded in the book of Acts, chapters 1, verses 9, 10, 11. Also, it's recorded in Luke chapter uh, 24, I believe it is, and in verse 15, 51. But it describes Jesus coming through the eastern gate, coming through the, the Kidron Valley upon the Mount of Olives. And when he was on the Mount of Olives walking east, he was caught up into heaven. There's two scriptures that talks about that. And the Bible says that the angels appeared there unto those apostles and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? The same Jesus that you see go away shall so come again in like manner. So when Jesus comes back, that is on this earth to touch the earth, he's going to come back and it will right be right there on Mount of Olives. And then there's that scripture that in Ezekiel that says, That gate shall be shut and it shall not be opened until... The Messiah comes back until Jesus comes. He didn't say Jesus. He uses the prince, the word prince and everything. Now, uh, for myself and others who have been over there, let me just, I'm going to leave something with you here now. We showed you this last week. I'm going to get into our lesson for today for a moment. But this is the way that that Eastern Gate looks today. It's been that way for over 2,000 years. This is the Mount of Olives over here on this side where my pen's pointing right in here. We're standing on the Mount of Olives. In fact, some of our people who have been over there, we've taken pictures standing right here and taken pictures with this wall behind us. And this is the Eastern Gate, and it is sealed up. Now, this is the Dome of the Rock of the Muslims, but at one time that was the temple of God that was, was here, not this, this mosque. Uh, here that was uh, this Muslim but it was that and this gate has been sealed now for 2,000 years since Jesus went through it and they cried Hosanna to the highest and they shouted and praised and everything this is that gate up close we showed you that picture so that you can get a picture of it real close up close and uh, I just want to point out to you here something that I pastor wanted you to know about because directly across from this a gate that's sealed over here, right over here where my pen is pointing, you can't even see it would be outside of the picture, is a church called the Church of All Nations. Now listen to me very closely here. This is the church that is standing there, and it would be right close to where we would be if you were standing back in that picture. That's very close to us. And that's the church called the Church of All Nations. It's got a picture up here on top. 
But down underneath here, you can't see it. There are four statues right here. And these are the statues of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, I'm going to take this picture away. And I'm going to put one more up here. I have a reason for doing this. This is that same picture up close. And that's the Church of All Nations. And if you look very closely, you can see the shadow more than you can see the figure. But there's a statue right here and a statue here. See the shadow to the right? And there's a statue right here and the statue here. Now, these statues is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you could see it up real close and you're able to see it, they're holding a scroll in their hand, a scroll. And that's what books and Bibles and everything else look like back in the day. It was scrolls, not a book like we have today. And they are looking down and they've got one finger pointing to a scripture in that scroll in their gospel, in their gospel. Looking at the, not looking at the Eastern Gate, but facing the Eastern Gate. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to show you what they're pointing to. Are you ready for that? You want to write these scriptures down. I'm going to show you what they, it's the scriptures that are in uh, their gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, these are the verses that they are pointing to. And uh, I remember the Jewish guide, a, a woman guide, was telling us all about it. And I said, do you know what scriptures that he's pointing to? And she says, no. And I said, well, I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> so I was able to tell here's a Jewish lady that lives there. And here I am from America. And I'm telling her what that he says. All right, this is the one in Matthew. If you want to write this number, this scripture down, it's Matthew 24, 27. 24, 27. And if they want to put this on the screen, they can. And this is what it says. For as the lightnings cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west. Remember, the east is behind the church and the west is what they're facing because that's the eastern gate and they're on the east side so they're looking due, due west. So the scripture says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is what Matthew is pointing to in his gospel book, I'm reading it out of the gospel book, and it's Jesus' words. Jesus' words. And uh, so this is what Matthew here is pointing to in his gospel. Now we go to Mark, and this is what Mark was pointing to in his gospel. It's very similar. This is found in Mark 13, 26. Mark 13, 26. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So there is Mark's writing of it. And this is Mark here pointing to his writings of that in his gospel. This is Luke, the statue of Luke. And these, this church has been there for, I, I don't know how long, many, many, possibly even, I don't even know, a hundred years or two, I can't I don't even know, but... It's been kept up and been looked after, and, and it's a Christian church, church of all nations. And so it's a Christian church, and it's representing Christ here and his coming back. This is Luke's writings now. And this is Luke twenty-one twenty-seven. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
So they're pointing to that scripture in their writings where Jesus said that he would be coming back. And this is Jesus' words. Now I'm reading here in John 14, 3. John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Praise the Lord. So there is four simple verses of Scripture that all of us have read numerous times. But here it is, you know, in that scroll written in Aramaic, described whatever or whatever language they used. I think Aramaic is what they spoke in the early, uh, early Jesus' time in Jesus' day. And whatever they wrote, however they wrote it, is described not in English, but in that fashion. And here they are in those four gospel writers. Well, I just thought I'd pass that along to you. And this pastor wanted you to make sure that you saw these statues there because it's a sign, folks, that the word of God still stands. Praise God. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. Well, we'll move on now. God bless you. I'm going to have you uh, receive a copy now of our lesson for today. It has nothing to do with this. And it's going to be altogether different. So we'll put this all aside. And your handouts are coming to you at this time. And I'm going to be putting that on the screen. Praise God. And the subject that I want to talk to you about tonight is overcoming temptations. Overcoming temptations. And this is the, I'm going to bump this up a little bit so you can see it. All right. And then we'll clear it. Make it as clear as possible. All right. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now, I want you to look at number one here. I'm going to start out with this number one here. We are tempted by Satan. I want you to look at 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 with me, if you would. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. I'm going to go right into the word here. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. When, when, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions and affections of your brothers are in the world. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about Satan's efforts here to try to cause us to fail God. Satan, Satan does not want you and I to fail the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you some scriptures in the Bible where he was cast out of heaven. And because he was cast out of heaven, he, he's lost out with God. And I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel 13, 19, 13, uh, verses 13 through 19, Ezekiel chapter 28. So if you look in Ezekiel chapter 28 with me, I'm going to read some verses to you here about the devil's history, where he came from. Everybody with me? All right. 28.13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. 
goes on to talk about all these, all the, the emeralds and the gold and the stuff that he was with. And then finally, verse 14, I'm saving time here. Thou art the anointed cherub. Notice that a cherub is an angel. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. 15. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Notice, not born. This is not talking about a person now. Talking about this demon angel that's called Satan or the devil. When thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Saving time and jumping down to 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of thy beginning, of thy brightness. See, the Lord made him one of his angels, and Satan rebelled against God. Verse 18, thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. Iniquities is rebellion against divine authority, which is rebellion against God. Coming down to verse 19, all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. He's talking about how, what's going to happen to him and how that he's going to be one day judged. Now, I also want you to read with me, go to, with me to Isaiah fourteen twelve. Isaiah fourteen twelve. I'm talking about the devil right now, where he came from, and then we'll get back into him temp- tempting us why he does. Verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast seen, said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This is what was in his heart. Verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So this gives us a little bit of a picture here of where the devil came from and, uh, and, and so forth and all the things. Now, one other scripture here to go with that is one that I'm going to read. It's from the book of Luke where Jesus says these words. And this is Luke 10, 18. Luke 10, 18. And... Uh, and he says here, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Then he goes on to say in the 19th, behold, I give you power to tread on the serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. Nothing shall be in it means hurt you. And the Lord's talking about I've given you power now over this because I've, I've, I know where the devil is. Nothing withstanding in this is rejoice not and so forth. Now, I want to just show you here. That he wants us to fail God just like he failed God. The devil failed God. He was an angel. God had heaven full of angels. And Lucifer rebelled against him. And he was able to pull one third of the angels into his camp. So that they became the what we call the demons of hell or the devils. And, uh, and so... They, Satan is the head of them all, and he's trying to seduce us that we might fail God just like he failed the Lord. Because if he can 
cause us to fail the Lord, he can say, aha, you thought I was bad. Look at all of these. They failed you, you know. And I guess she wants to have an argument with God in that fashion. But nevertheless, this is why that we are tempted because Satan wants us to fail him now. And the Lord has given us a free will, just like he gave the angels a free will so that they can make a choice. He has given us a free will that we can choose. And so God has designed it that way so that nobody's going to be in heaven that doesn't want to be there. And so we love God and we walk with him. And so forth. Now, where is he now? Be here. He is the prince and power of the air. Look at look at Ephesians two two. Ephesians two two. Moving along very quickly here. It says, "Where in times past, he's, this is Paul writing to the Ephesian church, telling them how that in times past you were sinners, just like everybody else that you know of in that area." Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's talking about the power of the devil and the power of darkness. And so he's letting him, them know that he was the, he's the prince of the power of the air. Over in the book of Daniel, I won't get into this, but when uh, Daniel was praying, the, the angel Gabriel came to him and said, hey, and said I heard you and I heard you praying. But the prince and the power of this nation opposed me and they withstood me and there was a time for me to get here. Let me say this, folks. When you're praying and you feel opposition, keep on praying. Don't quit. If you ever pray and you feel like that, you know, the ceilings are brass. As they say, you feel like your your prayers are not getting any higher than the ceiling. Don't stop. Keep on praying. Sometimes the devil just like you to feel like you're praying, your prayers and your praying is not doing anything or getting anywhere. Well, whenever he tries to make you feel that way, you say, no, sir, I'm going to keep on praising God. I'm going to keep on praying because sooner or later you'll get a breakthrough and God will answer your prayer and things will begin to happen. Things will begin to move down. Uh, I want you to see part C here. This is very interesting. I want you to go to 1 Kings 8, 39. 1 Kings 8, 39. If you've got your Bible, make sure you make a notation of this. Because this is just as true as the day is long. Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do. And give to every man according to his ways. Whose heart thou knowest. This is a prayer that's going up here. Uh, Whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. Now, if you've got a red pen, underline that part. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. Let me say it this way. The devil does not know what's in your heart. He doesn't know what's in your heart. Only God knows what's in your heart. Praise the Lord. He doesn't know your heart. He doesn't know your heart. He doesn't know what you're thinking. He doesn't know, except what I'm going to show you in a few moments. But only God really knows what's in the heart, what's in our minds, what's in our thoughts, how things are going with us. Praise the Lord. Now, go to the next one here. But, 
Look at the big but here. But Satan can know we respond to his temptations. Then he knows that we have a weakness toward that and that he begins to feed that. He begins to feed that. This is one of his schemes and the way he operates and the way he does things. So Satan can only know what's in our heart by our response to what he may put tries to send our way or put in our minds or hop on your shoulder and, and whisper in your ear or whatever. However you want to describe the devil, you know, trying to tempt us or something. Go this way, go that way. Let me just use a little example here. This is a little simple example. Suppose you're trying to lose weight. This, has a, this is not spiritual. This is carnal. Suppose you're trying to lose weight and you say, uh, there's a donut shop right down here. And uh, boy, I love their donuts. Especially those Krispy Kreme donuts with that sugar all over and everything. Boy, I think I'll go by there and get a cup of coffee and eat maybe two of those Krispy Kreme donuts. Boy, that wasn't good. I think I'll go buy them tomorrow. Sooner or later, you know, sooner or later you have to say, no, 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 I don't go that way. I'm not going that way. i got to go this way. So I come to that corner and I say, the donut shop, but if I go this way... I'll lose some weight, perhaps, because I won't get fat. But all those donuts tasted good. You see what I mean? So I'm just trying to say here, take the other road. Praise the Lord. Forget the donut shop. You say, no. And one day you can walk past it and you say, no, I'll forget about it. I've already got victory over that. Amen. But I'm just trying to say here, by our actions, by our actions. So the devil knows us by our actions, and he doesn't want you to... Uh, serve God and live for God. Uh, an example of that is David and Bathsheba. Let me give you some, something here to, to look at Second Samuel chapter 11. I'm not going to read it because the whole chapter is about David and Bathsheba, but I'm just going to refer to it here. Second Samuel chapter 11. And if you were to read it, I'm not going to read it at all. It's all about David going out on his out of, when kings go to war. The Bible says in chapter 11. Uh, verse 1 and it came to pass that after the year was expired at the time when kings go to battle David stayed home he should have been out fighting the battle fighting the war with his men he stayed home and he went up on his rooftop he looked out and he saw Bathsheba over there on her housetop the, the, the roof of houses back in those days was like the patio we have today and they where they went. Anyhow, she was up there taking a bath because she thought everybody was all gone. All the men were out fighting wars and everything. David saw that. He lusted after her, and then he brought her to her and committed adultery with her. I'll make a long story short. Now, verse 12. Look at 12.1. I'm going to read these. And the Lord sent Nathan, that's a prophet, unto David. He came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, and one rich and one very, and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and did eat it on his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter, this little lamb that he had. And that was a traveler. That was a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, the rich man, and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man, 
that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb, the only lamb that he had, and dressed it for the man that was come in unto him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, that man shall surely die. That hath done this thing shall surely die. Verse 6. And Nathan, and shall restore the lambs fourfold because he did this thing. And said unto him, and had no pity. Look at verse 7. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. You're the man, David. And what he did with that parable, he pointed out David his own sin. Now, David got his life all straightened out and so forth. But what I am pointing out to you here today is that don't entertain the traveler. Now, Satan will send a traveler your way. He'll send a temptation your way. Don't entertain the traveler. I don't know what's wrong with our generation, but so many, I hear this, so many men get into this porno porno stuff. Brethren, don't ever, don't ever, ever let the traveler come your way. You get rid of that mess if you've got it. If you don't have it, don't ever go to it. I mean, I mean, I mean, denounce it a whole, I don't know how to say it any stronger than that. And there's all kinds of things in each one of our lives that we can have ourselves involved in and we can be doing and so forth because we allow those little things. We say, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt. A little thing is going to be okay. But if we will say we're not going to entertain the traveler, the traveler won't come our way. If he comes our way, you say, you go on, go on down the street. I don't, you're not coming to this house. You're not coming in my life. You're not going to be part of me. But walk with the Lord. Trust the Lord. And let me just say a little bit, go a little further here. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God will help you. He'll give you power. He'll give you strength. But you've got to say, I'm not going to entertain old strangers. Or no, no, uh, no travelers. I'm not going to do it. I, I'm going to walk with God, serve God, live for God with all of my heart and everything. God will give you the Holy Ghost to give you things to help you to get through things. Years ago, when I first came here, 50, we've been here 51 years, 51 and a half years now in Palm Bay. The church asked me, the, the men said, Brother Myers, the church is not able to support you as a pastor. Right now, do you mind working a job on the side? I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm fine with that. I got a job as an insurance agent working up in Cocoa. is a part of a rough area back then. I don't know about now. And I was an insurance agent, and I'd go around collecting the money, and I would collect money for, you know, all day long, write up people's cards and sign their books and their paperwork and so forth and, some, and sell insurance along the way, too. And I did all of that. And uh, by the end of the day, I usually had a roll of money like this. I'd carry it in my left-hand pocket. I'd pull it out, and I'd whip it out, and I could peel off certain money, give change and all that kind of stuff. But that roll of money kept building up. At the end of the day, I had six, $700 rolled up in my wallet, in my pocket. That I'd accumulated for, for the day, and I'd work all week like that. But this is all day. I went into this uh, donut shop one day, one day around... 10 o'clock and get a little donut and, and uh, that donut I'm talking about and get a cup of coffee. And there was a, a, a woman working behind the counter and I said to her, I said, have you, does you and your husband have any insurance? I'd like to talk to you about your insurance, about buying some insurance. And she says, I think we do need some insurance. 
She said, yeah, we do. And would you come by and talk to it? I said, yes. I said, be glad to. So I got her address, everything. So my husband will be home at 6 o'clock. Now listen to me closely on this. It was a, I went there at 6 o'clock. It was a long, it was a, an apartment building, long building. And you walk down a long hall, and then there's apartments off to the right and left. And I went down and followed the number and went to the, the, the door. That was the door that she said, this is where our apartment had knocked on the door. And this man came to the door. And uh, I said, uh, my name is Myers, blah, blah, blah. I said, I talked to your wife today in a donut shop. And she said, you folks may be interested in insurance. Very simple, very, very businesslike. And he turned and walked back about six feet and yelled back to her back in the kitchen, said, honey, there's an insurance guy here that said that you had you had said that he should he should come by here and that he want to talk to us about some insurance. Did you are you aware of that and everything? And she started responding. And while I'm standing at the door, I feel the Holy Ghost saying to me, don't go through that door. Don't go in there. Don't go. Well, I could feel it. And while he was talking to her about the insurance, I was feeling this resistance in the Holy Ghost. And I said, oh, well, it's just a feeling. And I, no, 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 no. Every time I dismiss it, it would be more powerful. Now, folks, that's what the Holy Ghost can do for any one of us. If we get into a predicament or a spot or a place, but listen to the Holy Ghost as well. And... Finally, he turned and walked back, and he said, okay, come on in. And I said, you know what? I just remembered I've got another appointment. I've got another appointment. I forgot all about it. I said, I'll get back with you later. I walked away, and I said, I don't know what that's all about, but I know I was not supposed to go in there. Two days later, they were those two were arrested for robbery, me carrying around a wad of money now in my pocket. For robbery, listen to this now, they had robbed a, a junior store and t- taken the money. And then day, a few days later, they robbed a package, liquor package store and killed the guy that was behind the counter. And those two people, were, and I said, dear Lord, that's the people that I was going to go see. Wow. I was going to go through that door and talk to them about insurance and me with the water money rolled up in my pocket like that, you know. And they killed a guy and robbed him in a package store and robbed another store. And they were robbers, crooks. They was in cocoa. You don't believe it? Hey, take my word for it. It was true. It was all in the papers, on TV, and everything else. And he was sent us off to life in prison for murder. And she assisted him. I think she got about 15 years sent off, everything. But God protected me. Praise the Lord. And that's not the only time that's ever happened when God's protected me in other situations. And so has he done many of you. But I'm just saying that we have to listen to the Holy Ghost, have to listen to God's presence. Praise the Lord. Don't entertain the traveler. Don't entertain the traveler. Say, get behind me, devil. Now, I'm going to move on here because there's some things I want to talk to you about. David and Bathsheba, you know the story there, Nathan the prophet. Uh... The sin of pride and self-exaltation. Let me just say a word about this. This is what the devil had a problem with. And some uh, Bible scholars wonder if that's not the one that talks about the the besetting sin. That's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. 
So lay aside every weight and, and the sin that does so easily beset us. That's in uh, Hebrews uh, 12, 1, if you ever want to write it down. And uh, the besetting sin, what is the besetting sin? Some Bible scholars believe it, that is self-exaltation, always wanting to push yourself up, wanting to be somewhat, wanting to be, you know, the, the king of the mound, so to speak. And uh, so this is what some people believe. That's what the devil wanted. He wanted to be more than just an angel in heaven that God had put up there. He wanted to be like God. He had all this big ego stuff, egoism. And uh, he began to exalt himself. And the Lord condemns that and says that this thing of self, of pride and self-exaltation, God has rebuked. Now, I want to have you go to Proverbs 16 with you a minute. And just, and let me just talk to you about that for a moment. 16.5. Proverbs 16.5. Praise God. And... Uh, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Look at the 18th verse. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Verse 19, better is it to be an holy, humble spirit and a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. So I'm just giving you some verses here that's found over here in the Old Testament. Uh, look at James chapter 4, verse 6. James 4 and 6. This is what verse 6 said. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you can see how that... The devil will cause us to try to be arrogant, high-minded, and proud. Look at verse 10. This is 4.10 of James. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. These are worth writing down or underlining, putting those scriptures there, because if we will say, God, I'm going to not be proud and lift it up, everything. And then in Peter uh, chapter uh in First Peter, it is First Peter chapter five and and verse five. The verse of scripture says, "Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble." Verse six: Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Beautiful scripture, wonderful uh, scripture there to take. And and if we ever feel like that we want to be somebody, we want to be proud, and want to be this and everything, just remember, God honors humility. He does. He honors humility. And he will lift us up. When he lifts you up, it's right. It's right. Praise the Lord. And it will never fail. Amen. Now, let me move on here. To resist Satan and temptation, give God praise and worship. The Bible teaches us that. This is one of the ways that you resist the devil, overcome him. All right. Look at Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this that he understandeth and knoweth me 
as the Lord here. That I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So it's not man lifting up himself, but is giving God praise and glory. So if we will acknowledge the Lord, praise him, glorify God, God will always be good to us. And he will pour out his spirit and his blessings upon us in many ways. I'm going to go to James here, James 4 and verse 6. This is all talking about humility here. James 4 and 6. We were just there, I'm sorry. Jeremiah, we want to go to Psalms. I'm sorry, my, my mistake. Psalms, uh, Psalms 50 and 14. Praise God. Well, let me find it. Where did I leave it? Hang on a minute. Praise God. Well, where is it, where is it, where is it? There we go. Praise God. I found it. All right. This is Psalms 50 and 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Praise the Lord. These are just scriptures here telling us that we should glorify the Lord. Amen. Now, I want you to go to A here. I want to talk to you about this. The failure of past civilizations. Look at Romans chapter 1. This was a failure of civilizations of the past. I don't care what kind they were. But this is where many of them failed God. This is Romans 1. And it talks about how that the invisible things of God are seen by the things he created. Let me back up and just read to you verse 20 because this is powerful as well. Verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. The invisible things of God are clearly seen. Notice that. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, that is the world, is without excuse. Let me just say this, folks. When you look up and you see everything in the heavens, it didn't just happen. It didn't just get there on its own. Somebody put it there. Somebody placed it there. This earth that we're on. I sit on my patio sometimes and I watch the squirrels play and I watch the birds fly around. And we got the big old uh, sand hill crane. Sometimes they walk up there from coming out of the off, fly in and they walk by. And the big old thing walking along. Everything's doing his own thing. They know how to do what they do. Whatever they do, they know how to do it. How do they know how to do it? Who showed him all that stuff? I mean, it's everywhere. It's little birds, it's big birds, it's squirrels, it's rabbits running around, it's a possum going by once in a while. You know, it's, uh, 
I, I can't even begin to describe it. I look at the trees. They all grow. They drop a little old seed, and that seed will grow a tree just like the one that was, came off of. How does that little old seed know to be a big tree like this? A pine tree, oak tree, you name it. You know, palm tree. You know, it's going to be the kind that it came from. I'm just saying that it's already pre-designed by Almighty God. And though those natural things we see, we understand the spiritual things of God, that God's in control of everything. Praise the Lord. And all we have to do is just say, God, I give you praise and I give you glory. I glorify your name with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. Let me just say one other thing here. Every time man builds a more powerful telescope of some type, where he can look way, way on further on out there, he sees more stars. <laughs> oh, he gets me. They said, we're going to see way out there. We're going to see the edge of the universe. There ain't no edge of the universe. It just keeps on going. They see more. And every time they see more until it boggles their mind, and they can't even, I say, the Lord knows how many there are. He's got them all numbered. Let me go a little further, and I got two scriptures in the Bible I can show you this. He's got them named. All those stars, he's got them named, and there's so zillions of them. And man, can't even begin to grasp. He can't even see the end of where they go. And God's got them all not only numbered, he's got them named. The Bible said he knows the number of the hairs of your head. I mean, that's beyond me. Our intelligence is like a drop of water compared to his is like an ocean of water. And that's what we are, just a drop in the water. And God's given that, and we think we're somewhat. It gets all, we get all lifted up, all proud and all high-minded and, and I think we're really something and, and who is God and, and I don't believe in a God and all that kind of stuff. They go on, shame on them. And the Bible is talking about those kind of people right here in the Bible in this first chapter. I'm going to read that 20th verse to you again. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clear to the scene, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Now, verse 21. Because when they knew God, this is those past generations now, whether they were the ones that tried to build a tower to, to Babylon, and the Lord confused them, and they, they were talking to each other, and they were babbling because they couldn't understand each other's language anymore. God changed their languages, each one of them. And uh, that's where the word Babel came from. Babylon came from that. And it goes on to say here that, the invisible things that God is clear, I'm sorry, down in uh, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified God, not as God, neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. They weren't thankful about it. But became vain in their imaginations. Folks, remember that. Man is big on imaginations. He imagines things and then he says he thinks it's real. The theory of evolution. That's not real. That's a theory. And they still care it's a theory, but they, they act like it's the real thing. Oh, yeah. The theory of evolution. They never say it. The fact of evolution. Because there is no fact to it. It's all theory. It's a theory that came out in uh, 1850 there. Charles Dorman's theory of relativity and all that kind of stuff. Theory of evolution. And they had that way back there in, in Egypt. 
They believe that man evolved from a little white worm out of the Nile River. I won't get into that. But that old theory goes way on back and it's crazy. And they, that's been put down years and years ago. And the people today pick up on modern day theories like that and they think they, they call imaginations. They vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Look at that. Darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. This is past generations. And changed the glory of the in, uncorruptible God into an image. Oh, we got to have something we can see. Into an image. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Into an image. Made like to a, a, a corruptible man. They made an image like some kind of man. They're going to worship that man in a statue. And to birds. They create a bird and they're going to make it a something. And a four-footed beast. And creeping things. They start making these things and they make statues. Look at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. More than the creator who is God. Who is blessed forever. Amen. Jumping down to verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So I'm just pointing out some things to you here about past generations, folks, and for us to understand here that God, amen, is the, is the answer to all things. And all we've got to do is say, God, we believe in you and we trust in you and we don't believe in all these other things. Now, we will defeat Satan with the word of God. Jesus is our example. I want you to go to Matthew 4. This this is how we defeat Satan. Remember this. Throw the word at him. When you feel tempted everything, just say, thus saith the word of God. God's word says such and such. Refute him with the word of God. You'll always win by refuting him with the word. This is uh, where Jesus was tempted of the devil. This is Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. And uh, then was Jesus led up of the spirit, verse 1, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now Jesus allowed himself to be tempted of the devil because he was tempted in all manner like as unto we, yet without sin. You understand what I'm saying? When Jesus came to this world as a man, he didn't try to live separately than us. He came very poor. Born poor, lived poor. His father was a carpenter. That is his earthly father, not his real father. His father was God. As you know, the man talking about the man Christ Jesus and all those things. But Jesus went through everything that you and I would go through and that he was tempted of the devil. Verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he's afterwards hungered. Well, yeah, I would be and so would you be. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, uh, command that these stones be made bread. If you are who you say you are, say that. But he answered and said unto him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Notice Jesus gave the devil the word of God. And what he is quoting here is a word that comes out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8.3. Now going to verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up on a high city. 
setting him on the pinnacle of the city, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall lift thee, give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, and at that any time thou dashest stone against a stone. You notice here, he's saying to him, If you are who you are, prove you are who you are. You ever heard of uh, snake handlers? You ever heard of people with snake handlers? That's what they're doing. They're trying to prove that they're holy. That's wrong. That's wrong. They're tempting God when they do that stuff. I don't know. I, maybe that doesn't happen in our generation today. I hope not. But back in the old generation, they used to have people that prove they're, they're Christian by they could pick up serpents and poisonous snakes and play with them and all that kind of stuff. Once in a while, somebody would get bit and die. And then it was weird. Well, the Bible is against all of that stuff. It says don't even tempt God. So the devil said, he'd cast yourself down. Prove you are who you are. So he said, we would have to prove nothing. You don't have to prove you're a Christian. You don't have to prove it. You live for God, walk with God, serve the Lord, worship God with all your heart. You don't have to do some crazy something to prove you're here. Drink this bottle of poison. No, no, no. Okay, I'm moving on here. <laughs> Praise God. And then verse 7, Jesus said, the end is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Notice Jesus gave him a scripture, gave him a scripture again. Deuteronomy 6, 16 is where that came from. And again, the devil, verse 8, taking them up into exceeding high mountain, showed them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, now he didn't, he didn't even have to say anything here because the devil was lying. Now, I can take you over to the book of Daniel. Our time is running out, but I can take you to the book of Daniel there, chapter 3, and also in chapter 4, show you about four verses where it says that God is in control of all the kingdoms of men. Four, four, at least four verses, five verses. God is in control of all the kingdoms of men. He is in control of it. God is in control. He has the power. He has the power to lift up. He has the power to bring down. The Bible says he lifted up the basis of men if he wants to. He can, he can take the sorriest guy in the world, lift him up, make him some, some, something if God wants to do that. If he wants to make a nation go haywire, he can raise up somebody that's not even qualified to be head of that nation if he wants to. Now, I'm just going to show you here verse 9. And he said to him, all these things will I give thee. He lied. He lied to Jesus. And the devil is a liar. He always lies. When he opens his mouth, he lies. Anytime Satan ever tempts you with anything, just remember he's lying. He's lying. If thou be wilt, fall down and worship me, and I'll give you all the he, he didn't. He, he didn't have the power to do it. Verse 10. And Jesus didn't even remind him that Daniel, in Daniel, it was not even the case. He just told him this. Give thee hence, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord God, and him only shalt thou serve. Every time he gave him a scripture. Now, I've said all that to tell you here today that we are we defeat the devil by giving him scripture. That's why folks know the Bible. Read the Bible. God bless you folks that have read your Bible through last year. We had that dinner, uh, Monday was a week ago, I believe it was. And we had about 30 people there that dinner, and we had a fabulous dinner, and everybody enjoyed it. Everybody had a good time. 
And I got all kinds of thank you cards. God bless you for that. And for you that, that read the Bible through and was not able to make it to the dinner, if there's any of you that's here tonight or any of you under my sound of my voice, I want you to know that there is a, uh, there's, there's a, uh, uh, a certificate is the word I'm trying to find. There's a certificate for you. Praise the Lord. So make sure that you see Sister, I think it's Sister, uh, uh, my, my daughter's gone right now, but we just had a great grandbaby and she's over in Gainesville with my, with her daughter. Uh, is it, who is it? There's, there's somebody, anyhow, there's somebody, those certificates are out there. If you haven't gotten one that you do to have one, praise the Lord. So they're around about. She was the one that's giving them out, and then she had to go out of town. Now, praise the Lord, we'll wrap this up here. I just want you to know that uh, when it's all over with, Satan's going to be bound a thousand years. Now, I'm going to have you go with me over here to uh, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20. And I'm going to wind it up here, chapter 20. This is a timeline here. Pull it back like this. And this is Adam, the first man over here to the left. This is the Old Testament, 4,000 years right here, all this. This is Calvary. This is the New Testament. This will be about 2,000 years. That's why we know it's time for the Lord to come back. And the Lord to come back, and when he does, he comes into the sky. Amen. And he does not come back to the earth. He comes into the sky, and we rise to meet him in the air. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the rapture is going to happen right here. And then there's the tribulation period. Now, this is 2,000 years approximately here. And then this period of time in this tribulation period here, is about is about 10, 14 years, something like that. It's not a very long time. This is a little bit out of portion for the length of time in the chart here. But it's during this time that everything begins to happen because when the rapture takes place, the devil is cast down on this earth. And I have a, a chart here showing you here some things. Then I'm going to get back to the other one in just a moment. This is the fall of Satan. Chart I had made up. I think one of our sisters made this up four years ago. The whole amount of God we talked about how he was there. We used these scriptures here a while ago. And then, then we talked about him being the prince and power of the year, Ephesians 2 2. And, uh, and then his headquarters on earth. This is in, in Revelations 12 12. In Revelations 12 12, it talks about the devil being cast down upon the earth out of heaven on this earth. And when he does, there's going to be more trouble on this earth than you can imagine. You don't want to be here during the tribulation period. You don't want to be here. You want to be with the Lord. Folks, and it, it begins to describe it in the Bible. And, and uh, this is my last Wednesday night. And I'll be starting Sunday morning teaching Sunday school at 9.30 from 9.30 to 9, to 10.15, to 10, 45 minutes. And I'll be teaching that on a regular basis and I've got some very interesting lessons to talk to you about. But uh, somewhere along the way, I may talk to you about some things that's happening in prophecy, in prophecy in that Sunday school class. 
because things are beginning to pop, beginning to happen, and they're shaping up. Well, anyhow, this fall of Satan, it goes on to say that he, he's bound a thousand years. So I go back and then finally the lake of fire. Let me go back to this and then I'm going to close out here. Uh, this chart that I just showed you here. Uh, after the tribulation period is over, Jesus will come back with the church here at Armageddon. And whenever he does, Satan will be bound a thousand years. This is a thousand years of peace that will be on the earth after that. And uh, this is spoken of very extensively in the Old Testament. I won't get into the details on it, but Satan will be bound a thousand years. There will be no tempter. And... Uh, and the Bible says at the end of that period. So I'm going to read these verses of Scripture and we're going to close out here. This is 20 and 1. Revelation 20, chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on that old dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. And so forth. Set a seal on him. Uh, now, finally over... In verse 10 here, I'm jumping to verse 10 very quickly here. After he's been bound, he's loose for a season right in here. And then he is going to be cast in the lake of fire. Look at 20 and 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beasts and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And, of course, all the devil's imps and there's other scriptures that talks about hell and so forth. And, folks, that's what God has prepared for the devil because he's already failed God many years ago. But you and I, praise the Lord, we got a hope in heaven. We're going to see the Lord one day. Praise God. And uh, the Lord is going to judge the whole world right here that's ever lived from the beginning of time to the end. And he's going to judge between the righteous and the wicked. And I just want you to know that you and I, who are among the holy, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. And if you have the Holy Ghost and you walk with God and serve the Lord, live for God and praise God and worship him and live and just keep on being, just keep on keeping on for God. One of these days we'll hear the trumpet sound. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And if we don't quite make it to the rapture, well, praise the Lord. We'll just go our way in the, toward the grave and then we'll hear the trumpet sound when the Lord does come. The dead in Christ shall rise first. So I'm just trying to say here to us today, God has great things for his people and you are his people. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. Let's stand and give him the praise and the glory and let's just thank him right now. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace to us. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, that you shed your blood on Calvary that we might be saved. Thank you for this service tonight. Thank you for those, God, who love you with all their heart. And, Lord, we want to walk with you so one day on streets of gold. And, Lord, we ask that all of these that are in this auditorium and under sound of our voice here tonight will one day, Lord, all be together in heaven with all of our other loved ones that are already there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You're dismissing his name.